everybody, this is Daniel Patrick, and this is episode number 96 of the Mandolins of Beer podcast, brought to you in part by my favorite website, The Mandolin Cafe. I think it's also number 96 of the takes I've done to try to do this intro today, because I've been tongue-tied all morning. Anyhow, this is part two to Daryl Anger. Man, what a what a great guy Daryl is. Uh, just listening back to this and editing these is just... Well, we had such a fun conversation. You can just see why his music is so engaging, because he is as well. Um, so uh, I, I teased a, a Friday episode last week that I just didn't get to, to air. I had some potential plans for something with it, and it kind of fell through. And then I got busy, and there were a lot of gigs last week. So um, number one, if you were ever in the Charleston area, I have a few emails from people who are going to be in town this weekend. Shoot me a message, and I'll let you know um, where I'm playing. It's usually the same places, but I like to verify because sometimes special events or private gigs come up, and I'd hate for somebody to go somewhere that I am not going to be at. So shoot me an email. It's at danielpatrickmusic at yahoo.com or you can go to the contact page uh, on my website as well. Whatever would work. Also, if you have any questions or any listening recommendations, shoot them to me. I'm going to gonna try to do this thing on Fridays uh, when I have spare time called Casual Fridays. And if you have some questions you want answered, I get a lot of emails and I don't always get to them all right away. So I thought it'd be kind of cool to do that or maybe talk about things we're listening to. Let me know what you're listening to. I have been loving the Bluegrass Instrumental album that the Bluegrass Album Band put out. I think it's volume six. I've been listening to that a ton. Um, And I've also been listening to the new John Reichman, which is incredible. Um, I cannot wait for everybody to hear that as well. And uh, we'll have an episode coming up with John here to coincide with the release of this incredible new recording. So it's enough of that. Let's get into the ads here real quick. We talk about octave mandolins and um, on this episode. And this is perfect because Peghead Nation has Joe K. Walsh teaching an octave mandolin course now on their incredible lineup of instructors and courses. If you're not familiar with Peghead Nation, they've got all the best mandolin instructors. They got Sharon Gilchrist, Joe K. Walsh, Mike Compton, John Reichman, Aaron Weinstein, Marla Feibish, and Chad Manning. And it's everything from beginner to that advanced chord stuff that Aaron does that is, it's mind-bending, but he breaks it down. It's a comp. You can do it. 10 minutes a day, just work on it. And you can, you can uh, work those tunes out as well. So be sure to go to Peghead Nation. They have the high-quality multi-angle video lessons. They have downloadable notation and tab play-along tracks and plenty of songs and tunes to play. And with the promo code MANDOLINBEER, all one word, you can get your first 30 days for free. That's right, your first month for free with the promo code MANDOLINBEER at checkout. Northfield Mandolins, let's build more than a mandolin together. Check out their website at northfieldmandolins.com or download their app at mandosummit.app for lots of special performance recordings, demonstrations, and special workshops. They have a killer octave mandolin. It also gets mentioned during this podcast. It is a beaut. And speaking of beauties, Pava Mandolins, dedicated to building for the impassioned player right out of Austin, Texas. Thank you so much to my sponsors. Be sure to head to their website and and uh, check them out. And um, head to um, Mandolins of Beer on the Instagram and the Face Space. Shoot me a message uh, or DM me there. Shoot me a message at danielpatrickmusic at yahoo.com. And other than that, let's get into this episode. Cheers, everybody. Thank you so much. I think I'm going to head out and get some of uh, Daryl's favorite beer. It looks like the beer place over here carries this one. So that sounds like a plan. Have a great one. Cheers. albums with mike marshall well and you you also have a great solo album man um oh, yeah that that's really really cool now and that was done was that that was was that you were in the grizzling quintet still at that oh point. yeah oh well you're talking about fiddlistic Fiddl- yeah. yes yes <laughs> Thank you. 
Mike, you know, that was funny because that, the, the reason for that record, well, you know, I wanted to make a solo record just to see if I could do it, but um, David was on the East Coast for like four months doing uh, the movie that I mentioned, you know, the King of the Gypsies with Stephen Grappelli and, um, you know, that crew and, and uh, you know, Matt Glazer was involved in that. That's how I met Matt and just, we talked on the phone for like, you know, an hour or something the first time. And um, so there was nothing for me and Tony and Mike had just showed up and we're just sitting going like, well, now what do we, you know, like what's going on? You know, like, well, I guess you know, Tony said, well, I guess I, I, I guess I'll make a record. And I said, well, I guess I'll make a record too. You guys want to play on my record? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so that, you know, that was the core band. That was amazing, you know, because Mike and I kind of, you know, hit it off because we were both the youngest guys and I was trying to guide Mike through some of the psychological, you know, dementia and and, and it just, yeah, the, the stuff that was happening, you know, it, it's hard to go into a situation with any band, you know, it's going to, you know, that's been together for a while. And it's having success. It's going to be a, you know, there's going to be like lines of force that uh, some unseen, some seen, some obvious, some not, and try to help Mike figure out, like, you know, like why? Why did he say that? You know, what's going on? <laughs> like, why are we not? You know, why are we not doing this? And why are we doing that? You know, that kind of stuff. And going, well, it's complicated, but. Um, yeah, but, but we were, you know, I was able to keep the band busy anyway, you know, while David was out of, out of town and that was really cool. And I, I kind of just figured out how, you know, from watching David, you know, well, how do you make a record? Okay. So I guess you do this and this and this. All right. Okay. Did, oh, did I do it? Oh, I did it. Ah, okay. <laughs> um, but that was fun. That was amazing. And, and just working with, with Mike and, and Tony to, you know, that was just a beautiful, um, you know, with Todd Phillips, Mike and Tony, that was an amazing band and just, uh, figuring that out. And then just, you know, cause I always have other interests, just you know, like some kind of crazy things that come in, uh, from left field, throwing a couple of things. And of course the duet with my girlfriend, Barbara Higby, uh, who happens to be one of the most brilliant musicians I've ever met, um, turned into a whole Wyndham Hill, uh, thing. Uh, cause right. that was a, that little, you know, piano violin duet, uh, that Barbara wrote for that record, um, turned out to be, uh, the, the cut that got Will Ackerman interested in, in us doing a, a duet record for Wyndham Hill. Yeah, one thing leads to another, you know, pretty much. Uh, <laughs> and how long how long were you in the Grisman Quintet for? Uh, I yeah, just you know, like just a month, two months short of ten years. Wow. Yeah, you know, I was. Yeah, I was definitely the longest running member up until the you know when Joe uh, kind of passed my mark of, and then uh, Jim Kerwin, uh, I think, came in and like. I don't think he's, maybe he's still in the band. I, I think Jim's probably got the record now. You know, he's a 30 year veteran, you know, but, um, yeah, it was a 10 year ride. Uh, I mean, obviously doing other things, trying to do other things, uh, concurrently, but, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean Mike and I were still, we were playing some duo gigs. In fact, <laughs> Davis manager, Craig said, well, I think you gotta do something to keep these guys, you know, busy, you know, I'll, I'll book them, you know, around, you know, <laughs> we got some, so yeah, we got, we got some, uh, mileage out of that. Yeah. Well, and, and a ton of great duo albums, which is yeah. again, a, a whole nother, um, you know, fiddle player and a mandolin player. That that's not your average duo. <laughs> that decided to, you know what I mean. Right. That decided to put yeah. an album together. Yeah. And again, and our first record, I was really playing a lot of mandolin. Actually, yeah, that, right, uh, right. Octave mandolin.
it was that that giant mandola I mentioned with with Stephen Gilchrist. Um, I, that was my foray into octave mandolin, uh, which was really not a thing at that point. I just sort of made it up, <laughs> and because <laughs> um, you know it was too big to you know I I didn't want a mandola because it you know it just it was too hard you know I would just want something I could just put my fingers down and have the same notes come out as what I'm used to and. Say, oh well, if it's an octave down, then it's the same thing, only different, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> same, same, only bigger. And that was fun. We we did a lot of stuff with that, even though it was hard to keep in tune because it was a short scale for octaves. Oh, no but, kidding! But it was such an excellent instrument, and I wound up writing tons of material you know, on that instrument. Just it was my go-to writing instrument. Oh, no then, kidding! Yeah. So yeah. So when I, you know. I was kind of used to, you know, what do you do with it? You know, you, you play lines, you play rock lines, you, you know, you do all this kind of singer songwriter stuff. So when I um, got, you know, got with Amy Phelps, uh, you know, great singer songwriter, wonderful guitar player. I was kind of ready to go with that stuff. We made, you know, we, we managed to do a lot in the in the time that we were together. And, uh, you know, just that was the core thing. It was like guitar and octave mandolin on those records. I'm thinking about re-releasing everything with just her voice, her, you know, octave mandolin and guitar, because there's some good stuff in there that I get a little bit, you know, excited about production. And, I'll, you know, if, if I don't fill up every track, and I feel like I've left out something. <laughs> but if you come, if you go back to the those just those bare tracks, um, so much can be done, you know. And I'm I'm so excited about, you know, this kind of you know this profusion of octave mandolin consciousness now. And you know, Northfield is making an excellent one, and and there's a lot of makers. I've got a Clark, an Austin Clark octave that I totally love. It's great, um, and. Uh, you know that yeah. There's a lot of a lot of people coming out with with octaves now that are just gorgeous. And of course, it's not really standardized, is it? I mean, we still got the bazookies, you know, which mm -hmm. are not they're not really bazookies. And, and I don't know what you know. I don't. Know, I, it's as good as anything. You call them whatever. But um, you know, yeah, the the teardrop shaped things, and then uh, uh, then the guitar shapes. You know, right, <laughs> a lot of them right. really look like mandolins. But um, yeah, they. But they they function like that, and there's such a cool you know it's a great lead instrument. It's a better lead instrument than a guitar. Cause I, I love it. Yeah, it's wider. You got your you know you got your acoustic chorus box there, and you know even if it's out of tune, it sounds cool. It's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, going back to your um to your to fiddlistics real quick here. Yeah, um, I hope I don't say the name wrong. Is it is it kick kick uh, key signator or kick key signator? Oh. I say key signature, but a lot of the guys down here in Nashville say key. Oh, I like that key signature too. Yeah, you know and. I, you know, it's really, I have no idea what I was, you know, I had just, that was the first tune that I wrote. Wow. That, that I felt good about. And I had no idea what to call it because I couldn't even believe I'd written something. <laughs> I just, well, I've called something stupid like key signature, you know, or, but I don't want to see, you know, that's a key signature. It's actually, uh, it turns out, I, you know, I'd heard it somewhere, you know, it's like, it's a, it's a law of practice term for the person that once they sign the contract then the contract is you know good right oh wow but i had no idea what the, the hell it was you know i just it just sounded cool I, you know <laughs> yeah well i think it's impressive because it's 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 like 
it's I think it's so rare. It's rare that you hear anything that makes its way into like the canon of songs that you can that become yeah. played at jams and such. And you're one of the people you got it in there. That's a I mean, that's amazing, <laughs> man. I mean, it's a great song, obviously. Yeah. But well, I you know, I mean, there's plenty of great songs and then a lot of them don't make it in. I don't know what what it was about it because it's just a melody. I mean, is that 90 doesn't even have a first and chorus or anything i mean i just i was just happy to squeeze out a melody you know (laughs) but it's you know it just i i don't know it's got that nice um you can jam on it because it's just you know on a mandolin right it's just those those like um you know like wide narrow narrow wide narrow (laughs) narrow narrow wide right you just go up and down (laughs) with the bar chords and it's uh, you know that's that was my my thing for many years it's just okay wide narrow wide narrow here's a bar chord oh it sounds jazzy cool yeah i'm, I'm digging it yeah <laughs> it's easy did you write it on mandolin or did you write it on? i wrote it on mandolin no yeah. kidding wow totally wrote it on mandolin yeah oh, i write wow. everything on man I, I can count on one hand the amount of tunes i've written on fiddle no i write kidding. everything on mandolin yeah wow and now i have a new writing uh instrument that i love which is a tenor ukulele, which I have tuned to octave mandolin tuning. This is doable. You can do this. And the great thing about ukuleles, of course, as Garrison Keillor says, the worst ukulele is not that much worse than the best ukulele. You can get a (laughs) decent instrument for 99 bucks and put the right gauge strings on it. And you get, you know, basically you get a one string uh, octave mandolin, that is completely, you know, it's it's never gonna. You can you can show it who's boss. You know, <laughs> it's it's just nylon strings. You know, you can muscle it around. You can do all this stuff. It sounds cool. It sounds like a flamenco guitar. Um, yeah, it's like a great writing tool. So I've written a bunch of stuff on that. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of of writing too, then when did you start getting like? more influence because as as you say before like Grisman you were listening to like Grisman and some of the bluegrassy stuff and, oh yeah and then yeah. When, when did you start getting turned on to some other things because you're I, I mean obviously your influences run deeper than oh, yeah than just bluegrass and such yeah well I was you know I've always been interested in jazz from my very first um, you know um, I, I took an introduction to jazz my the only two courses that made any difference for me in college was an introduction to jazz class and a, and a uh, folk music survey um, oh wow so yeah, where you know basically the, the professor ran, ran us through uh, the Harry Smith anthology and talked about it uh, very beautifully and and <laughs> really was a, was a great guy. Um, but so yeah, you know I was really you know I liked jazz. I wanted to understand as a melody player. Oh, and blues, you know, because that's where I'd come from. I'd come from the Beatles, and then you know Eric Clapton and Cream. You know, was I I'd play the I, I I play the tennis racket to cream before mm-hmm. I got first guitar, you know. Yeah, and um, and just yeah, I was really in, you know blues and you know that earlier pop music and uh, all that kind of stuff, and then roots rootsy pop and then uh, rootsy rock. Um, yeah, basically, you know, Beatles. I mean, yeah, I, I really similar place to david and then david really opened my ears you know he had this huge music library of everything you know that he'd sort of you know basically and he he got a lot of his aesthetic from ralph Rensler, who you know ran the smithsonian mm-hmm. you know american music library and so david had access to that and was listening to all that stuff and so and he shared a lot of that with me so that kind of massive eclecticism and interest in you know, complicated harmonic stuff and, yeah. uh, you know, just more interesting melodic and harmonic structures, um, you know, it just came naturally to me. And, um, you know, it took a long time for me to understand that stuff, though. I'm slow. And, I, you know, playing a melody instrument, I mean, I was only interested in lead guitar. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then violin was good for that because I didn't have to worry. You know, I didn't think about chords. I mean, I was always knowing, you know, oh, of course, yeah, right, you know, yeah, okay, yeah, God, I got to deal with chords at some point, you know. Um, and, of course, mandolin is good for that because, you know, there's only four notes to deal with. And, and, you know, that was cool because David had some really nice ideas about, you know, well, 
if you know you're probably going to be a bass player and it's probably going to be a guitar player so let's just play the important notes you know and let's just use three strings and and that was amazing that was a very liberating idea for me you know where you're doing and now i got it you know with the violin you know all this uh, when i play mandolin I'll, a lot of times i'll just use two strings and because i discovered there's something on the violin which you can only play two strings at once effectively uh, where you know you can actually pretty much communicate the essence of any chord no matter how complicated on the bottom two strings of your instrument in first position you can do it i have not encountered a chord yet that couldn't be essential essentified um you know just the essential of the chord gotten down to two notes in first position on the bottom two strings wow that's cool, and, man. Yeah. <laughs> my and mind that, is blown know, right actually, now. I'm like literally like just standing here with the sitting with my mouth open thinking like, oh, try this out. <laughs> yeah. That came about, you know, that all developed you know, through my teaching at Berkeley, the 10 years I spent teaching, uh, you know, teaching, uh, you know, uh, contemporary violin at, at, at Berkeley College of Music. Uh, and that, you know, that, that was, that got perfected because uh, I had to, because I had to, I had to, if I was going to teach it, I had to know it. Yeah. How did that come um, about? Um, well, yeah, that's cool. You know, Berkeley's a private, private college. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> right. Um, you know, I didn't have to have a degree. Uh, my, my buddy, Matt Glazer, who had, had, you know, run the string department for like 12, 15 years. And then, you know, you know, jumped, you know, like kicked himself upstairs to running his own roots department inside Berkeley. Um, he just, uh, basically, uh, hired me you know, to, to be in the string department, be a professor in the string department at Berkeley when I moved to Boston. And that worked out great. You know, that, that was amazing because that was an, that, that was an incredible school, amazing string department. The people you run into the hallway, just like, <laughs> I can't believe it. Okay. Here I, oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Victor, oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, Joanne Brackeen. Uh, you know, yeah, right. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, uh, Korea. Uh, Gary Burton. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. Hi, how you doing, man? <laughs> I'm a big fan. <laughs> oh man. That's amazing. So that was an incredible experience. So I really had to develop a curriculum, um, and that, but you know, other teachers in the, in the string department already had like these incredible ideas, curriculum ideas, stuff. So I was able to, you know, you know, and everybody shared, you know, we were like trying to standardize the curriculum for string players and so everybody's ideas got put in the mix and um you know after it took me a little while to catch up but you know once i did i you know i think that i was able to contribute some stuff for that and uh, you know and then you know just seeing what john mcgann did with with the uh, the mandolin people and uh, uh you know i guess joe walsh of course with and you've got you've got the thing uh, joe has probably told you all about it and there's it's probably on there uh so you know, Joe's connection with, with Berkeley was fantastic, and uh, he became a, you know, teacher there, too, and we were all working together all the time, and that was great. There's so much uh, great sharing and development of ideas about this kind of music went on there. The the music that's come out of there, and I can't even, I don't even know the number of years now because it just seems like forever, even though it's a really short period of time. Uh-huh. But So much got packed in. You're right. You know, that's the thing. So much happened. You know, yeah, is it possible that, that could have happened in like ten short years? I don't, you know. I guess so. I guess so. Yeah, it's weird to think. And now, you know, just to yeah. all these all these people that I'm interviewing, <laughs> you know, the, yeah, you know, including Ethan Satiwan, who's I think he's a oh, man. fascinating subject in the matter of uh, the matter of he's kind of like the guy, like you know, like there's guys who came up on you know Sam and Dave, and then there's the group of kids who kind of came up on Thiele, which is like a whole different thing. And uh-huh. then yeah. there's like the guys who kind of came up on Thiele and Jake and Ethan's that guy kind of <laughs> yeah, in that right. range where it's just like, oh my God, I can't yeah. wait to see where he takes this because, oh, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and you just worked with him on a new release. We have an amazing project. Yeah. Yeah. Ethan, you know, I mean, he's like a quintuple threat. I mean, the guy writes, he composes incredible, you know, stuff that's going to be standards for a long time you know he's just an incredible composer and a great player you know he can kind of do everybody you 
know, like he can sound like Sam, he can sound like Steely, he can sound like David, he can sound like uh, Joe Walsh. <laughs> and uh, just, yeah, he's, and, and just, you know, Swedish guy, obviously, you've already interviewed him. So he's yeah, he's great. Amazing guy. He's a real Hoosier, you know? Just, yeah, real thought, <laughs> real thoughtful. Thoughtful person. Yeah. And, and just a sweet guy. I just had an incredible blast working with him. He basically assembled this, you know, uh, collection of original material that, sort of touches on all the streams of, you know, contemporary acoustic string music. It's like, you know, there's like a, uh, only, you know, it's like every style, you know, like there's, there's a, like a sandwich tune, there's David, you know, David Grisman encore tune. There's like, a, you know, there's like all this stuff. Um, you know, there's a Mike Marshall, you know, Polska, there's like another kind of Polska. There's a, um, there's a, you know, there's like a, you know, there's a, uh, a key signature type tune only better you know <laughs> it just goes on and on you know it's just like this incredible you know uh like uh, it's like okay this is everything that's happened up to now this is my idea of how it you know is um i've just improved it and you've done little improvements to everything okay you know now we're ready for takeoff you know yeah <laughs> Yeah. yeah, he's just got such a thoughtful guy. You know, he's like sort of internalized the, the pretty much the entire, you know, spectrum of like what has been done, and you know, his view of that. His his, it's just a beautiful record. I'm really excited about it. I can't and wait I, to hear it. I am super yeah, excited to hear it. Yeah, it's going to be definitely next big thing. And you know, he's just you know just kind of just uh, you know percolating away down there up there in in maine right now but you know when he finally you know just comes out and you know gets his band together it's gonna be you know everybody's gonna go like wow cool man <laughs> what i loved about him too is you know even though naming Thiele and jake who are both like you could definitely go the off the rails like listening to that stuff and then just picking out the fast crazy stuff and uh -huh. and ethan's very melodic in his uh in his music which is just it says, it says a lot about him, you know, because it could be very yeah. easy to just be like, oh, I'm just all firepower. <laughs> <laughs> right, you right, know? yeah. You know, so he's, yeah, he does great with it. You've kind of got like a thread, though. You also, um, you played you you played a bit with like Yonder for a while, too, didn't you? Like touring? Oh, quite a few years, four, four years of just, you know, being a special guest a lot. And that was incredible. That was that was really amazing. You know, those guys, you know, for all their, you know, I mean, uh, like all those those jam bands that came out of Colorado, you know, started playing for fun, you know, in ski lodges. Right. Um, not really, you know. I mean, we, I don't know. You know, we're just we're doing you're just doing this, you know, it's just for fun. And then all of a sudden, like, there's money, and and like <laughs> all the young <laughs> pre-law cats that are there to ski, you know, going like, hey, I got an idea. We can manage you guys. We could just make a big thing out of it. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's kind of a wild. It was a wild thing, and um, you know, very you know interesting music. You know, I mean, they could have. They, I mean, they, you know, they say themselves, "Well, it would have been cool if we could have rehearsed for a year before we went on the road, too." You know? <laughs> <laughs> right, but it just didn't happen that way. They had the gigs, you know. You um, you played a uh, speaking of melodic. There's a version on one of their live releases they put out or could be a bootleg i don't remember but uh -huh. I, I definitely remember learning it and it was it was the hartford's holden and you but you played just the most beautiful solo on it and i think you you just did it probably finger picked on the i'm sure there's a oh. technical term oh for yeah that. yeah it was actually yeah flat picked is always a problem with, with violin because you got that extreme arc to the bridge and uh about halfway through the flat pick gets rosin on it and it starts to sound like a little bit of a hacksaw blade oh wow yeah but other than that yeah <laughs> yeah but i just remember hearing that I'm, oh my gosh this is beautiful it was so, so oh, great cool. man well a little bit of you know mandolin skills there coming into play although um <laughs> you know it's really funny it's like yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Luckily, you know, I, I have dealt with a flat pick before, 
But, uh, you know, and of course I was just channeling, you know, the original holding which, where Vassar did the same thing. Right, right. And, uh, you know, which is, I mean, yeah, Aerial Plane is, is like one of the most important records ever. And there's very little mandolin on that, <laughs> actually. Weird. It was weird because it kind of blew by me at first because, like, when I first got mandolin, I'm like, oh, who's this guy? And I got that, and I'm like, hey, there's not enough mandolin on here without even, you know, it <laughs> right. just dumb. I, and then 10 years later, like, oh, man, why well, I'm so dumb. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a whole different thing. Yeah. Yeah, you, you used to see it as music minus one. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, but then you go back and you're just like, oh, my goodness. Well, genius. So much good yeah. stuff. Now, speaking of good stuff, I, I mean, obviously – with you playing with some of these great players and I'm just wondering if I like said a name, if you could say, maybe say something that you took from these people's playing, or maybe you learned something from watching them play. Oh yeah, sure. So yeah. obviously starting with dog. Yeah. Well, you know, I learned about tone. I learned about, um, you know, just a lot of stuff about how to construct, uh, courts, you know, all that stuff, just very sophisticated approach to, you know, all the, you know, the bar chords and everything, but those three note chords, you know, just working them and how they, you know, the same shape can like stand in for a lot of different uh, types, you know, voicings and things like that. Um, yeah, those kind of triangular three note shapes um, really can do a lot. Um, and, that's something I really learned. And for when you're saying that for, for listeners, are you saying kind of like maybe if it's a ninth chord and you – so the guitar and the bass are kind of picking up the root notes. You're not so worried about yeah. – like if it's a G9, you're not worried about the G note. You're looking for the nine right. and maybe a three or a five or something like exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. You can do that you know, on the bottom three strings and make a beautiful sound. Um, yeah, you know, that uh, whole thing where you're you – know, yeah. And then like working down through the cycle, the fourth you – know, the dominant cycle – you know how those those shapes um they just walk down you just keep changing one note and and uh, they just uh take you through the entire uh you know cycle force you know from g to c to f to b flat etc cetera, etc cetera. and which is sort of the one of the two basic uh, chord progressions that that drive you know western music in general so that was that. That's something that really got clear with David. You know, it's it's nice when you're just working three notes at a time, and uh, it really helped me kind of find my way through that stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. How about Mike Marshall? Oh, Mike. Well, <laughs> Mike, <laughs> it was just like the process of discovery. You know, we just discovered and totally. You know, we'd share it. You know, we say, "Oh man, this is the most amazing stuff I've ever heard. How do we play that?" You know. Let's let's see if we can just play that that you know that that jazz piece or that you know, that other thing or just you know we, it was it was amazing you know because we just yeah we just constantly drive each other and and go and Mike and I had really similar roots as far as like the blues stuff and the, and the kind of rocky stuff and that we really enjoyed you know kind of like just you know just kind of it's. One of those things, you just start playing. It doesn't matter whether it's something you worked out or something you never played before or something you, you, you know, fiddle tune. I, we had a really similar um, – I think the first tune we ever played together was uh, Byron Berline's tune, uh, Huckleberry Hornpipe. You know, not that many people know that tune. Great tune. It is a great tune. And, uh, you know, we just played it. And we are all like, oh, cool. You know that. All right. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, it's always been just this connection. It's kind of, and it's changed so much because, you know, I mean, he was like a younger brother for a while now. And then he was like an older brother. And now we're just, you know, we're just brothers, you know. We right. just, uh, you know, he's, he's gotten very, you know, he's just... He's an enormous personality, and um, that's something I, you know, you know, you just figure out how to be with somebody like that. It's been really good for me, and I think it's been really good for him to, you know, um, have somebody who's, you know, allowed him to change and, and just 
keep a keep a long term running relationship with you know yeah yeah and you both I, I think what's really cool too is it seems like you guys just seem to find different styles of music to completely um yeah. you know in in just in take in and and spit out in your guys's own voicing it's and and I should plug your album that came out it's not new but it's the newest album oh. the the oh, yeah. which is oh yeah right Back 19, to the or, yeah yeah and <laughs> yeah. it is um how many years is it 41 years 41 years wow. 41 years to wear the ball and chain <laughs> <laughs> and that's another great album uh, how about yeah. um how about vassar clements oh vassar. Not- well vassar was the first guy that you know that, that when i heard him that I realized that, oh, well, fiddling can also have like a deeply human tragic dimension. (laughs) (laughs) It can go emotionally as deep as any other art. And, and that's, that's what I got from Vassar. Just that, you know, depth of, you know, like you hear like what it means to be human in a world of, you know, of, of, cruel world of of you know of uh, disaster you know kind of honest, ongoing disaster and and destruction you know uh that's what i hear out of Vassar. yeah and that really it really hit me hard and um i'm also you know he was and he's he's you know we actually our birthdays about like three weeks apart even though he was much older um and uh, it was just you know we just had a immediate kind of you know he those guys, Byron and Berline, also um, just people that really set a standard for how to behave around uh, other musicians, especially younger musicians. Um, just be nice, you know. Uh, <laughs> reach out, uh, be understanding, uh, you know. Help people, you know, all that kind of stuff. Sort of, uh, you know, kind of obvious stuff. But you don't always have a template for exactly how to behave. You know what people need. And uh, those guys really, both of those guys really uh, helped me figure out a lot of that stuff. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's great, man. Yeah. And how about from like a newer guy like, say, Joe K. Walsh? Well, Joe is is another one of those kind of stand-up people who just, you know, um, if he's in your corner, you know, you just feel like you're going to, you know, you're going to get backed up. He's going to drop anything and then just come out and take care of you. And you, you see that in the music too, when, when music is being played, he's very, you know, he'll always challenge you, but, um, he's always supportive, you know, he'll support you and like play something that, uh, kind of, you know, sort of sets, sets off whatever you're doing. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful combination of just kind of sort of challenge and support you know it's always kind of changing you know according to what's going on and you know he's just really you know he's just crisp and fast and and just beautiful ideas and um you know uh i just yeah i just love the way he plays you know he's just on top of it you know just great yeah I was so stoked to see the announcement of when when Mr. Sun formed and that album was coming out because to me oh, it was yeah. just like oh my god what a what a <laughs> killer lineup of like these four guys can do the the work of ten men. <laughs> I'm, I might have to use that. <laughs> yeah, do it. You could use that. You could. Vandalist beer says <laughs> he must have been drinking. <laughs> but um, how did you guys how did you guys decide to put that project together? Because really, man, um, to me it seems like the perfect lineup of, of people. Oh, um, you know, uh, it was a, it was just a gig that was booked by, um, a fellow up in, in Vermont, uh, a, a promoter who is much beloved up there. Actually, this guy has really done a lot for acoustic musicians up there, uh, Don Sheldon. And, uh, yeah, it was like a library gig, you know, it was like a local library up in Vermont. And, and, uh, you know, we were all, uh, I'd, I'd known Grant for years because just kind of running each, into each other and, and uh, I'd been a fan of his. He'd, Grant had already made that record with uh, with the Young Turks, you know, with Dominic and, and uh, uh, Paul Court and uh, Alex Hargreaves, who I'd also known from Fiddle Camps forever. Uh, and 
Yeah, we just, you know, I mean, it's one of those things you call somebody up about, you know, like, oh, I've got this thing with the, this record I'm trying to make, you know, can you, you know, can you help me out with this? I'm going, oh, mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, I did, when that happened to me, I did this and this and this, and that wasn't, didn't work, so don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, stuff like that. But, you know, so Grant, you know, I mean, Grant's so brilliant. Um, and uh, you know, I think Joe and, and Grant had been playing together a bit, and we just, yeah, we just, pulled together a you know a group just to play we wanted to plan some Grisman stuff because Grant had just got you know just left the Grisman group actually so he knew some of that material and I that material was burned into my brain I, I cannot forget it <laughs> not that I'd want to but you know if I tried to I couldn't so, right right yeah. so yeah but you know um again you know ears you know Grant hears everything and he's always he's got some kind of idea about and he's got a comment and he's funny he's one of you know between him and Greer those are the two funniest musicians I mean just musically funny <laughs> you know yeah and you know they'll just they'll crack you up you know you just get you, it's just so hilarious and and um so that was it was just so much fun you know it's like the most fun and I just felt really you know like oh I can just play whatever I want here and it's going to be safe it's going to be great oh man. and uh, so that, you know, it just felt great and it just seemed like the thing to do. And I was kind of looking for a group like that. And, you know, it's funny cause you know, it's, I mean, on paper, it just looks like, oh, well, it's just the same stuff. You know, I always did, you know, like a quartet with mandolin, guitar, and fiddle and, and bass. But, you know, I've discovered this really about the people, <laughs> yeah. about the instruments, you know, for those sure. guys could be playing like bass clarinet and it would still be, you know, an incredible experience and, and just you know really beautiful deep you know yeah absolutely. story you know again these guys have, are aware of the you know the story element of playing a, a song, anything you know playing a song playing a tune playing a set you know there's a story to be told and there's ups and downs and ins and outs there's trauma there's resolution there's all this stuff uh you know, there's, you know, you have to go to sleep sometimes, you know. It, yeah. Uh, and and they're willing to go with me a lot, <laughs> uh, you know, on what I think the story is of any particular song. And uh, they're listening really hard. And then they'll, you know, they've got ideas too. And uh, they're always good. Yeah, that's great. Well, yeah, I'm so, again, I'm so excited to hear that new album. I, yeah, that's going to be, it's going to be fantastic. Yeah. That's cool. All right. So what are some things that, um, there's a couple more questions for you here and let you go enjoy that sunny, sunny Nashville weather. <laughs> um, uh, first one would be, uh, what is something that you think that you've garnered, you know, from playing violin and mandolin so well, what's something that maybe mandolin players might not think of, um, that you, that you notice on violin that would really make somebody or fiddle you know, really be helpful to someone? Hmm. Wow. <laughs> That's a good question. Um, you know, really, uh, I have no idea. Uh, I'm, that's kind of interesting. You know, I, I mean, I think it's, it's always, you know, kind of a, it's an effort and it's a challenge for, for mandolin players to get more legato, you know, on mm -hmm. the instrument. Right. And, uh, it's a, it's a real different, it's just a completely different approach. You know, um, it's funny, you know, for two instruments that are string instruments that are tuned the same, you could not get more different. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's wild, right. you know, with the, between the frets and the, the, you know, the, the, the amount of pressure and strength it takes to get the thing to come out, you know, um, and you know the amount of and and the and the sustain factor, which is minimal compared to. I mean, you can do it um, to get more sustain. Of course, with any fretted string instrument, you have to play softer because um, then the difference between the end of the note and the beginning of the note is not as large. Um, I don't, maybe that's something that people don't always realize. Mm -hmm. You know, no, that's great, uh, man. But um, really, you know, they're they're radically different instruments and you know one of the things that i had to figure out um you know on fiddle and this isn't really relevant 
you know, to, to the mandolin players, but I'll, I'm going to say it anyway because um, it's 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 um, you learn on fiddle to do decay, note decay, you know, because I was playing all those unisons with David and and with Mike too, and and with Joe. I mean, it's really interesting, you know, the the way you um, and there's some huge differences playing unisons with all three of those guys, um, but um, the fact is that the mandolin is going to, you know, that no, those notes are going to decay. And as, unless they're tremoloing, and um, usually it's not about that. Uh, you, usually you're just playing melodies and you know fast melodies, um, some long notes. And if you don't decay along with the mandolin, uh, it sounds stupid. <laughs> it sounds like, you know, and I've, I've you know I, I won't name any names, but um, so I've I've heard some you know unison fiddle and mandolin lines where the fiddle player was maybe playing a harmony mm-hmm. and he just forgot to that the fiddle that the mandolin notes fade out and he just keeps playing the note and uh, and so you hear the harmony note like way longer than the than, than the melody note and like you know what's where's that at it's like that sounds like some fiddle player like who's just like so so in love with the sound of his own stuff that uh, you can't be bothered to listen to what's going on you know and that's um that's weird and um so yeah i think you know uh, uh, i think that i actually it really expanded my playing to think about decay you know over no because you know the point you know i guess the you know for what must be the point of bowing an instrument is that you get infinite sustain um you know, yeah, that's one thing that you can do, you know, but there's some other stuff that you can do that really makes a difference in how people hear music and what the story, again, coming back to the story, right? You know, what, what, what you're really trying to say. That's all. I love how you, I love that you think of the songs as stories. That's, I don't think that gets brought up on, that's maybe the first time somebody's like kind of brought that thought process up in, in the yeah. instrumental music world. I love it. Yeah. Well, it's, I think that's really the thing that sets Mr. Sun apart from most of these other bands is that, um, you know, and, and not, and I, I don't include the Punch Brothers because I think their songs are amazing stories. With, you know, you're really, I mean, you're on acid, you know, but it's a story. Um, <laughs> it's pretty, pretty amazing. But yeah, you know, the really, you know, just thinking of these things as, you know, like a beginning, middle, and end, there's, there's you know, all these things that happen in fiction that uh, have to happen in order for people to be, um, you know, maintain interest and to have meaning. And it's the same thing in music. Um, And, you know, the way you uh, communicate that is, uh, you know, up to you and is your way of doing it. But uh, one of the great things about Mr. Sun is that there there is that awareness uh, and it happens. Well, then the uh, this is this kind of leads into um, the I ask these same two questions every every episode. And um, the first one is if you had 10 minutes a day to work on something, what would you work on? The, the secret to, you know, getting better and to like staying interested in getting better is to get it down, you know, like whatever you're, you know, you have to focus down to a small enough portion of what you're trying to do in order to get better in the 10 minutes or 15 minutes you got, even if it's just two notes, if you can just get two notes to just resolve, you know, and sound better, uh, whether it's, you know, getting the two or just getting the string crossing, you know, between like a, you know, F and a D to go, you know, da 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 you know, if you can just get it down small enough to make an appreciable difference every time you pick up the instrument, you know, like a permanent appreciable difference, then you're just going to keep getting better. <laughs> so, Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you there. I think that's exactly, you know, what needs to happen. You just have to, the goals have to be small enough to actually achieve victory in the time you have, you know, to, to work on something. And then uh, the final question is, do you have a favorite beer? Favorite beer? Um, you know, uh, <laughs> I was really, you know, when, when I was just the last couple of years being in, in Massachusetts, we were doing a lot of stuff in Vermont. And of course, Vermont is like, Beer Central, right? Um, I was. I, it's funny. I've lived in in area. I lived in Portland, Oregon, for about a year, and that that was right when the breweries were all starting up, and there was some amazing stuff there. Day Shoot Brewery has an amazing beer. Um, I kind of, you know, I 
once I started getting on those IPAs, it was like, oh, I'm just drinking flower stuff. You know, what's going on? You know, and then I started liking it. So I would say at this point, my favorite beer is Sierra Nevada Brewery, which was very near where I was living in California. And it's called Fantastic Haze, which is different. It's like the the ultimate, you know, it's like more of a, it's a slightly more alcoholic version of Hazy Little Thing, which oh, is wow. also an IPA. Yeah. So, yeah, those things I like. Uh, I've always liked uh, the wheat beers. Um, Mike and I spent a summer in Germany going around playing gigs, and uh, we got into some insane wheat beers. I'd never had it, you know, and, and then, like that kind of blew my mind. But, uh, yeah, I think, you know, Fantastic Haze. Uh, Sierra Nevada Brewery is great. And, uh, you know, I, I even like that Heady Topper stuff that you get, you only can get uh, on alternate Wednesdays in Vermont. Um, although it was a little bit like, uh, like, what's all the hype about? Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. No, I'm really looking forward. Now, you suggested a couple of Nashville beers that I'm very excited about trying. Oh, my gosh. Uh, the Jackalope. Jackalope right? and, and Smith and & Lentz. They are man. both killer. And Jackalope had a spot right next to Carter. I don't know if they were going <laughs> to reopen they closed yeah. during the pandemic, and they, so right, they have right. two locations. You know, we actually but. walked over there just the other day. Joe came down to look at this um, very nice uh, 1933 F5 oh, wow. uh, that David Grisman selling through Carter's. And we were in there. We walked over to Jackalope. I, I thought, is that a coffee shop? Mm, it's not, not open. must be a brewery. Um, so hopefully it'll reopen. Yeah. yeah, and if not, they have another location that's maybe only a mile away, but it's not walking distance, I wouldn't say. All right, it well, doesn't seem like a mile try. walk. Yeah, and then Smith & Lentz is right in East Nashville, and cool. uh, it is well, it's get also a, so get good. Well, I'll get a posse of some of these you know, 20-somethings that everybody moved here, and uh, we'll go down, and they'll drink me under the table. Oh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. We need to do a mandolins and beer show. That's what we need to do is just have a giant mandolins and beer jam there. <laughs> that sounds great. So that sounds like really cool. Oh, Daryl, this has been a, just a, an absolute honor to have you on here. I really oh, appreciate Daniel, you doing wow. this, man. Well, thanks for having me, man. This was really, really fun. Absolutely. Thank you for doing it. All right. Thank you so much for listening to part two. Thank you to Daryl. Daryl sent me a really nice text a few days after we recorded this episode, which was super nice, and I really appreciated that. So thank you again to Daryl. And uh, if you're in the Portland, Maine area, there's a great festival going on there this Sunday that Joe Walsh, I believe, put together. So make sure you get over there to that. And also, sorry, I got a few emails. I have a, an, a little bit of an idea for a, maybe a little thing to do on some Fridays real short to, uh, to kind of just talk some more extra mandolin. Or yeah, I get a lot of emails with questions and different things like that and maybe talk about what people are listening to to debut songs by people and different things like that. So... I believe that will be up this Friday. I meant to do it last Friday, but things fell through and, you know, it is what it is. Also, if you're in Charleston, South Carolina, shoot me an email. I'll let you know where my gigs are. Um, this one's a, week, a light weekend, uh, just three or four gigs. So kind of chill. Anyhow, cheers, everybody. Have a great week.